December 11th, 1792, King Louis XVI of France is put on trial for treason by the National Convention. He hires the most expensive lawyer he can find, who is also executed. Welcome to The Revisionists. I'm Brian Flynn. I'm Zach Powers. And uh, the boys are back in town. Uh, and joining the boys is a third boys, uh, Wes Williams. Mm. Wow. Uh, what's going on, boys? <laughs> yeah. I I have not lost a step. I can tell you that much <laughs> over the Thanksgiving holiday. <laughs> For the next hour, week... we're just going to say boy as much as possible. Yeah, our <laughs> guest this week is Amazon's The Boys. <laughs> we have a soundboard of clips from that. Uh, it's that Everyone's favorite quotes. That Nazi woman, all your favorites. <laughs> this is the first time I've talked to someone who's actually seen the boys. So I have not seen the boys. <laughs> oh, okay. I just know certain things about the boys. Okay. <laughs> there is speaking of boys, um, my dad gave me a um we're off topic right fucking away, by the way. This is the revisionist. Um, my dad gave me a box of books he assumed were mine, uh, that he found in his shed, and I have not gone through it yet. But the book on top is just uh, entitled The Wonder of Boys, <laughs> um, which I assume is about parenting. Um, okay. Yeah. I thought they were just like uh, little notebooks full of disturbing writings about uh, how much you hate Catholicism. And <laughs> the other book, the other book right underneath that is my sixth grade religion <laughs> notebook from from Catholic school. So probably. Uh, yeah. And it's just 400 pages of please stop the voices. Please stop the voices. <laughs> the best thing about boys, no one believes them. Yeah. <laughs> yep. That's the uh, Catholic school. Um, oh, God damn it. Listeners, uh, before we get into, after we get sidetracked, but before we get into the actual show, mm. um, I want to thank uh, a couple new Patreon members uh, who've joined our family uh since our last new episode uh so thank you to tj and christine uh for your generous donation uh your stickers are on the way soon um i have a 10 month old monster um so i'm not as on top of it as i should be i want to thank you for being the kind of people who are irresponsible enough with their money to give us money but not so irresponsible as to buy an nft uh, we, really, <laughs> we really appreciate you for that, for being in that narrow little uh, slice of financial wisdom. It's true. If we had somehow foreseen like the NFT market and found another way to corner those, let's say it, fools, um, man, we, we'd be making bank, I guess, and also somehow destroying the environment. Oh, it's, I think you can still do it. Like definitely <laughs> like, um, at least one of those. Like that guy who sold his art installation for like $69 million at auction. And it turned out like he sold it to a guy he was in business with because half of MNTs are like pump and dump scans. Yeah. Where you just like, yeah, that happens all the time still. Like it's still a completely unregulated securities market where people sell between themselves to pump up prices constantly. It's always happening. Uh, there are or a lot of... Every day you hear about like, an evolved ape place just like disappearing off the web with $5 million. <laughs> this is, this conversation is nonsense to people from who were like 
yeah. transported from six months in the fucking past. Two years ago and hopefully two years from now, both. This doesn't yeah. make any sense. Yeah. Oh, uh, live and dream. Um, yeah. If you're new to the show, what we do each episode is we take a topic from history. One person presents the official, you know, nice list version of events. Uh, Santa Claus approved. Uh, and another person has the naughty list version of events. Uh, non-sexual. I don't know why I went down this road. It does not have to be sexual. Um, <laughs> it is. It is. is. It sexual. often is. Um, it's gonna be. It's gonna, gonna be. be. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there. <laughs> it's not necessarily, but yes. This, In this case, it is. Yes. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes. I just labeled my notes the fucking suck happy hour. So <laughs> I think we're going yeah. to be talking about sex a little bit. Yeah. Oh, which was, <laughs> I thought that's where your Uber was taking you after this. <laughs> Chris Wellman, do you are you mm-hmm. booking tonight? Are we allowed to say <laughs> yep. shit like that? I don't know. <laughs> We've not had him, but I know who you're talking about. It's Shut up, wild Chris. that in 1600s England, they decided to land on the title "The Fucking Suck Happy Hour" for this event. <laughs> I can't believe I can't believe that George V was okay with that. <laughs> in all fairness, it was ye sucking fuck happy hour. Yes, it was yeah, a, it's true. They had proper manners. I mean, it's the it's basically the wife of Bath's tale at a certain point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the uh, the winning story becomes accepted history going forward of this festive Yuletide spinning wildly out of control yeah. blue marble. Oh, uh, right. These are our Christmas episodes. Uh, I'm, I'm Zach Holly Jolly Elf Boy Powers. <laughs> uh, elf Boy is a, a fine BDSM name. Yeah. Um, and I'm Brian mm, Philip, my stock and Flynn. Uh, <laughs> it's, and it's, this it's, is actually a porn. Yeah, this is. Uh, we're two people filming a porn. Elf boy and fill up my stocking. Um. <laughs> Welcome to two people filming a porn uh, behind the scenes of your favorite pornography. The podcast that explores how your favorite gay porn was made. <laughs> one out of one of the no gag reflex boys we're going to be looking at. Also called the suck and fuck happy hour, actually. <laughs> um, uh, our last new episode, uh, Gregor McGregor with Joe Lee. Uh, the listener vote is in, and the alternate history went out, uh, where uh, Gregor McGregor was uh, not necessarily just a con artist, but uh, the hottest restaurant promoter in uh, 18th century Scotland, and also did, yes, kill a bunch of people in the jungle. Yeah, so, and, and invented the Rainforest Cafe. Yes, that was the other thing. Yes, that was it. Um, but now we are on to the second of our con artist miniseries, uh, William. Or is it the third? Just kidding. That's a con that I just pulled on you, the audience. <laughs> it's the second. <laughs> it's, yep. <laughs> if you finished the con trilogy with con air and just tried to make someone make a faker story than like Nicolas Cage's real life, I think it would be fucking impossible. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> and then he fucked Elvis's daughter and bought a dinosaur head. Like, how are you going to fucking top any of this shit? No, that is that is full on cold medicine fantasy. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> um, Con Air, the movie where we're supposed to root for the child murderer escaping at the end. Um, 
anyway. Dude, it's absolutely bonkers. And you absolutely do root for it. Cyrus the virus, right? But like the entire time, Nicolas Cage is belting out this Southern accent. He's weirdly enraptured with like this toy bunny. It fucking rules. That movie fucking <laughs> rules. I will defend that till the death. <laughs> that is on i i've seen people die like that yeah <laughs> defending I mean, like, the, the movie starts with a decorated marine defending his pregnant wife and a court of american law is like nicholas cage you've got to go away for 10 years <laughs> listener I don't know if this made any of this made it into the episode or not, but just before we recorded, we convinced Brian that Danny Trejo was in the film The Da Vinci Code. And now <laughs> I want to convince him that Audrey Tattoo is in Con Air. <laughs> it would not be hard. I don't like I let's face it. That movie is not full of female characters. So I that she could be. Um, but I feel um, like I could convince someone that Rosie Perez was in Con Air. I don't yeah, know I why, that's sure. yeah. but I feel like with five minutes and a beer, I can convince most Americans that Rosie Perez <laughs> was like at least in Con Air for like a cameo. It's yeah. low, yeah. Like there's this, ah, I wish it, it might've been Ike Barinholtz, but there was like a comedian once who had a bit about how he would go to a bar and he would convince people that he wrote Weekend at Bernie's 2. Because <laughs> people will buy, people will buy that you wrote Weekend yep. at Bernie's 2. <laughs> Weekend at Bernie's 2, a movie my sister gave me on DVD for Christmas a few years ago. Um, anyway. Um, it's the holiday episode. <laughs> yep. Um, this episode, we're talking about William Challoner. Uh, and Wes, you were doing the true story. Yep. And Zach, you were doing the alternate. Uh, yes, indeed. All right. So whenever you're ready, Wes, feel free to take us away. All right, uh, ladies and gentlemen, the story I'm about to tell you is filled with spies, killers, dildos. You are truly not prepared for the masterful life of William Challoner. So I'm just going to start where all good stories <laughs> should. I'm going to start at the beginning, in, okay? And on the poster for the William Challoner story, that is the slogan, spies, killers, dildos. That's, That's the just... name of the fucking movie. <laughs> in the tagline, suck and fuck happy hour. Yeah, yeah like right. the Jean, it's the Jean Lacar uh, style. <laughs> Counterfeiters, spies, killers, and dildos. Yeah, I'm trying to think of the Tinker Taylor fucking. Yeah, this is the new trains, uh, planes, and automobiles. <laughs> spies, killers, and dildos. Mm-hmm. Yeah, eight dildos in a duffel bag. <laughs> Stop or my dildo will shoot. I don't know. I just was trying to riff it as fast as possible. So what we've got here, 1650, this guy is born. So like a while back, right? It's, it's, we don't have fucking soap and shit. So he's born, he's, he's a poor guy. He's, he's traditionally a guy who makes nails until 1680. Mm -hmm. So just as a frame of reference, he's 30 years old in a world where like, 30's not given, so he's like old. He's done shit. He's been making so many fucking nails. When at 30 years old, okay, 1665, by the way, is the last major bubonic plague in the world. I looked mm-hmm. this up independently. One out of every four people in London has just died when this guy is about 16 years old. So he's just gone through a massacre. We've gone through like our pandemic. I know that was really fucking tough. It's not one out of four tough. In one year, 100,000 yeah. people in London died. Even, and this even guy's like, big life response to this. Sorry, go ahead. 
even like World War II in Europe, which was much worse than it was in America, does not compare to the like one out of four death yeah. kind of bubonic plague. It's incomprehensible. It, yeah, it's really kind of hard to fathom just how many people fucking died here. So just to give you an idea, this guy is growing up pounding out fucking nails in the dirt. A quarter of the people like in his world sphere have died in a major metropolitan area right down the road from him. He's 30 years old, which even for us now, you should be like, you should have figured out what the fuck you're going to be. For most adults, you know, you get home. <laughs> yeah, not me. We're, I mean, like, we're comedians, of course. We, we're not doing shit. But like a lot of people should have figured out by 30 what you're going to do. At 30 years old, this dude moves to London where he becomes a master dildo creator for <laughs> the sexual revolution in London. Because, you know, once you see one out of four people die, you're just yeah. like, fucking put it inside of me. I don't give a shit. I, I will suck it. I'll lick it. I'll swallow it. After a yeah, that's how Bop It was invented. Oh, my God. No one's pulling out. What the fuck? It's like, it's just apocalyptic <laughs> fucking. It's just incredible what's happening there. No one's spitting on it. And by the way, when you go like, oh, it's the, oh, sexual revolution. It couldn't have been that crazy. Just as a side note, shout out Nancy Norton. In 2021, Alabama, dildos are illegal, by the way. So, like, this is absolutely true. It's a huge part of Nancy's set. Dildos are illegal in Alabama. So you have to put that in context that in 1680 England, he's fashioning dildos to put up people's asses and vaginas and whatever the fuck you want. So, like, it's pretty wild shit that he's doing at 30 years old. He's already going gray. He's balding. And he's just one day, he's just like, I bet I could whittle a dick. And he did. He moves to the city whittling dicks in a sexual revolution in London. So, so they were whittled. That, that's, I was trying to, I couldn't find what they were made of. Because like my my knee jerk was, oh, ivory. But no, of course not. They were, they were not made of ivory. And I... I definitely recommend, I, I would say two things. One, I recommend I, looking up. I, I recommend Chaloner Dildos, our sponsor for this episode. <laughs> the first dildo with a vein. Look up this fucking little, look up William Chaloner, this fucking crazy little weasel, steamy, <laughs> semi-eyed motherfucker. He is, he looks so fucking crazy. Um, Would you buy a dildo from this man? Because I know the pictures you're talking about. And here's the thing, I know a dildo maker and she's a fucking lunatic too. You just don't, you just don't come out of like Sunday school one day, like as a healthy adapted person. And you're just like, I want to make stuff that goes inside people's pussies. Like you just, you start off being a fucking lunatic. Tell me if you, maybe you have this in your notes, um, uh, or we're going to talk about this, but, but one of the things he did with dildos that I found was fascinating was like watches were big at the time. Watches were new. Yeah. Watches were new and they were like a symbol of status because not everybody could afford one. So sometimes people would buy fake watches that were just like pieces of tin that were made to look like a pocket watch, but nothing was inside. And he made those, but inside he put little dildos. He put little dicks inside of the tin watches. Now that doesn't add up because I don't even know how you wouldn't just lose that in yourself. <laughs> I, I don't know if they were for practical use. But, oh, so um, it was like a joke. It was like a ha ha kind of like, um, like just being like, oh, the myth, the legend shirt where it yeah, 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 yeah. I think it was like uh, yeah. someone on the street would be like, what time is it? And you'd be like, it's D's nuts o'clock or whatever. 
I'm going to tell you right now, if I asked someone what time it is and they flipped open their watch to reveal an itsy bitsy little penis, <laughs> I I think I would never stop laughing to this day. That's still a fucking crazy good joke. Like, don't me wrong. That's a serial killer behavior. But I would never stop telling that story of being like, yeah, I was about ready to go like make my tea time at golf in this lunatic at the bus stop. <laughs> Pulled out a tiny thumbnail sized penis from it's his just like, watch. Oh, can you read a sundial? Here you go. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. People yeah. would be like, Are you sure it wasn't a tic tac? And be like, Don't doubt me. I know a little penis. See, I when read I see that thing, penis. but did not read that they were small dildos. Well, I, I thought they may have been big watches. Seems, like, no, I think they are like supposed to be pocket watches, as far okay. as I can tell from what I, I, I didn't see like a specific. <laughs> accounting of the size but as far as i could tell these tin watches were always pocket watches so it seems to me like it had to have been a little teeny tiny dildo to be like i don't know it's like maybe it's a way swingers picked each other up in a bar (laughs) well that's what i'm trying to think too is like was it like a wink and nod of being like do you want the knob or was it like always like a funny joke of being like it's get fucked o'clock like yeah (laughs) which is also the guy who has the watch with the dildo in it the other thing about that guy is it's funny the first time, <laughs> but you know, it's going to be every day with that guy. So if you like work with him or something, yeah, every yeah. office has dildo watch guy. The, the shine comes off that dildo real quick. <laughs> you would have to think that if he lost that little penis, in 1660 and someone else found it they don't have movies they have no concept of like what the world's supposed to be i would 100 start a religion around that little (laughs) i would be like god put this tiny penis i would like try to grow it i would like bury it i would try and water that little penis see if it grew a bigger penis because it's clearly not a shower you have no concept of how science works if you're just a regular fucking person in 1660. Like, I know it's like the enlightenment, but still, like, think about how dumb the average person is in our world with the, like, amount of books and information we have readily available. In 1660, if you were just, like, a beet farmer and you found a tiny penis, you would be like, God gave me this penis. For sure. You wouldn't even question it. You'd be like, this is divine dick. <laughs> oh god damn it so i have not even scratched the fucking surface of this guy because it's not like this is the story of a dildo maker yeah this is like the the con artist series right and dildo making is good honest work (laughs) (laughs) if this was a movie and the time it takes for nicholas cage to bravely patriotically defend his wife in con air that's how much screen time is given to these dildos because that's (laughs) it's not the story of dildos next okay so like he works then he's doing good dildo work next he becomes a quack doctor which is what they put on his wikipedia page which is fucking hilarious Mm -hmm. we don't call fakers like quacks anymore like when you just make shit up and just be like you're a fucking quack he was like he just made shit up we should Um, bring that back because i feel like it might be more effective in certain in certain ways it's it's like it, yeah it's it was their version of like just shouting fake news at someone where he would just be like ah you know your 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 blood's full of fucking turnips and they'd be like this quack <laughs> is out of hand 
so yeah, he was a quack doctor, which is dope. Like this is people are like, oh, you have to go so long to like be a doctor in school and stuff. Like this is why he just started making a new career out of being like, I bet I could do it. Which already you pretty, have to admire the gumption. Yeah, he starts with some pretty mild scans. Like it's quack doctory. There's this thing called like I think it's called Japaning. I don't know why it's called that. It's Dude, probably racist. Japaning is just whenever you. Uh, it's a way of shellacking furniture. Um, oh, he's also God. a soothsayer, by the way. Um, yeah, Japaning does sound super fucking racist. Like if I would just does. like went into a bar and a dude was just like, someone's been Japaning in here, I would 100% not be like, oh, is someone making furniture? I would be like, this is a white supremacist uh, bar. It's it's name. It was named, I guess, after uh, lacquer work from Japan at the time. Right. So a, a okay. technique that they used in Japan on lacquering shit. To make it look better than it actually is. So he could sell things with lacquer that were like worth less than they actually were. Just like the quack doctor thing. Like a lot of these terms don't hold up to scrutiny. Where you go, like, we've started to be more polite about the people who thieve us. You know what I mean? We have (laughs) started calling them nicer shit. They just called them quacks and japaners. Like that's fucked up. So. Um, oh, oh, he was also a soothsayer. So like back in those days, like whatever their version of being like, oh, your chakra's all fucked up. Like he would just lie to women for money, which the know, way the way that I read about the soothsaying thing was he would predict something that the person owned would get stolen. And conveniently, that thing would indeed get stolen and he would be <laughs> able to help them figure out where it was. So his soothsaying seemed to be very, very accurate. And how which he pulled fun. that off. Who knows? <laughs> Can you imagine just reading your friend's tarot cards and being like, someone's going to beat your ass. Someone's going to fuck your girl. And then just doing all that shit. Again, the cojones on that guy to set up and follow through these massive life pranks on the world is just undefeated. Yeah. Just incredible yeah. work on this lunatic. So right now we're all having a good time. We're all having fun. Okay. So. Just a a little bit of like context for like the world that we're talking about here. So he's been doing some fun goofs, goofing on some women's, uh, you know, just like taking some money from people who are just kind of like, you know, disreputable. Okay. So the world that we're living in, and I I, I found this stat by 1696 for um, English currency, 10% of their money was fucking fake. It wasn't even real. One out of 10 pieces of currency was forged. And so he takes a look at this, you know, and he goes like, well, shit, I can do this. I've been making little dicks. Why can't I make little (laughs) coins and make like way more fucking money? Because not everybody wants a dick in their ass, but everybody loves money. And he was just like, I can greatly expand, you know, and some people want those coins in their asses too. There's so many more things you can do with coins. So (laughs) <laughs> he starts like forging these coins, right? That's his, that's it. That was, that was his selling point for coins. Like, <laughs> yeah, I know you everyone can, wants, you it's, can it's buy literally, things or put them up your ass. It's literally the scene in the Simpsons where Homer finds the $20 bill and has to realize that money can be exchanged for goods and services. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so something interesting happens here, right? Cause at this point when he was uh, quacking, when he was japaning, he was still just like a normal middle class, lower middle class dude. And he starts to get into forging. And it turns out this random dude is crazy good at forging. So mm-hmm. he starts becoming a little bit of like 
a man about town. He starts getting nice horses, like fucking ripped horses, big nice houses. <laughs> that's what they did back then. He had to have jacked fucking horses, dude. Just yeah. Schwarzenegger horses, they called them. Um, and they were just so fucking big. Not, not, not like, like those fucking Chad. soy horses they got. <laughs> dude, Chad horses. <laughs> fucking alpha horses just yoked. So he's got these nice horses and shit and like people are starting to take notice of him and he's really coming to like the peak of his forging powers during a time when the national government is going, we have a massive problem here because they're starting to notice that um, because of the forgeries, their currency value in the world is plummeting. Belgium, France, a lot of competing countries are just putting England into the fucking dirt because uh, England's money isn't worth that much. So. Here's where the massive twist of this story comes that floored me. I could not stop reading about this. The man that England goes to in their time of need uh, is none other than Sir fucking Isaac Newton. Okay. So Private this detective. is a guy who at the time of his death could arguably have been called the smartest most influential human being who had ever lived. And I'm including like Jesus Christ. Okay. So like he got hit in the head of, with an apple and instead of being like, Oh, it's a snack. He created the math of fucking gravity. So yeah, that, that man finds a tiny dildo and he, he <laughs> builds science around it. <laughs> yes. So he, he creates his own mathematics. He is a, he is a worldwide yeah. wonder and he is made the master of the royal mint and he becomes a bit of a civil servant. And just as he follows the rigors of the scientific process, Sir Isaac Newton is also following the rigors of being a civil servant where he is really starting to play detective with all of the problems that they're having with their currency. So he is rounding up these foragers. He is making cases against them. And all of a sudden, what kind of not only allows um, our man William uh, Chaloner to get more popular, but also come under fire, is that his competition is getting taken down by Detective Sir Isaac Newton. Sure. So, like everybody who is like a, a also a forger is being taken down around him. So he is getting more money, getting more ripped horses, getting bigger houses. But then every now and then he would like have to skip town because like one of his like enemies would like be on trial and be like, hey, get Chaloner. And he'd be like, oh, my grandma died. Like you were getting like an excuse for being sick at school. And he would skip town until they were executed. I swear to God, that's true. He but this guy, leave. it's not just like he got pinched once or twice. And his regular tactic was to be like, I'm going to rat out everybody who helped me <laughs> and send them up the river and they're going to let me go. I think one time he got a commendation from England for like fucking like he was ripping them off left, right and center. And the Royal Mint gave him a commendation for his services to the Royal Mint while he was actively forging tons of money. And this and this leads into a very good kind of middle part of our story, which is that really it's this is not the story of a man who spends his life raging against the government of England. In fact, he works hand in hand with them on several occasions, not only turning in a lot of his competition, 
But in an interesting middle part, we're getting to the spies section of this story, is that he would take government funds to basically act as a spy and set up people who would be committing high treason. And specifically, it was these guys called the Jacobites. Mm. Um, Just a brief uh, idea of who these guys were. Basically, in 1688, a guy named Charles II, who was in line for the throne, got pushed out of being in line for the throne because he was like this piece of shit who no one liked. I looked this guy up. He was 53 years old. He had no kids. And everybody was like, yeah, he's going to fucking suck, but he's going to die soon. And he has nobody in line for the throne. All of a sudden, at 53 years old, this guy who would be king next has a kid and people get up in arms and they were like, ah, his seed works. And so there's this huge fucking Scottish rebellion where people just hate this guy and his act of old come and they chase him out of town. And like, so that guy later on, um, his, there, he would have, um, I believe it was his niece who would eventually become the next in line to the throne. But there was a certain amount of people who were like, even though that guy ran away after they, he was chased off, uh, being a king is a divine right. And so we believe that he should be king. So these guys would come into England and stir shit up and be like, remember that coward with the great come who ran away? He should be king. And they would like just say this to people like all the time. They had like little writings and stuff. And it was just like rabble rousers. You know, they were storming the capital of 1660. You know, it was just like they were dressed like shaman. They had the fucking furs. They had the painted faces causing trouble. So. <laughs> These are the guys that William Challoner was just like, here's what his whole fucking deal was. And sometimes I look at this guy and I'm like, he was a genius. And other times I'm just like, he was also just kind of like a lazy lunatic where his whole, they call him a spy. His whole thing is he would walk up to these dudes and like, literally like a joke premise. He'd be like, boys, I really like what you have to say. Do you have a newsletter? And they'd be like, brother, do we have a newsletter for you? And then he'd be like, boom, cops get him he would just be arrested so <laughs> it was fucking silly like you're think i i kind of went into it hoping it would be like james bond subterfuge and him setting these people up but he'd literally just be like do you have anything i can read about this uh come king that we chased away because this guy sounds amazing and they'd be like here you go brother and then he just fucking rat him out so which is just to say he had a very weird um relationship with the English government, because he worked as a spy for them, kind of helped them get rid of their enemies, um, and uh, worked in advisement rules, sold out his own enemies. But at some point, he kind of, uh, well, I know exactly what point, he kind of got under the um, glare and view of Sir Isaac Newton and his uh, kind of detectives, if you will, is that he, his big mistake. It is worth noting that this guy like worked very closely at times with I think he was on like certain boards, like he worked directly with the Royal Mint, which gave him inside information on how to counterfeit sometimes. (laughs) So one of the things that they did to try and stop counterfeit coins was a thing called edging. That's not a joke. It was called edging, Um, (laughs) which is like a specific mold around the edge of a coin. And because of his inside information and his connection with a guy named Patrick Coffey, who was like this dude who worked on like, the the molds for edging coins you know how our our modern coins have like lines around the edges Mm -hmm. it's like that um he was able to get like an insider scoop for how to edge coins and make his counterfeit coins better because he was like (laughs) working with people in the royal mint like the royal mint gave him awards they worked with him they helped he was like i'll help you find counterfeiters and at the same time 
was gathering data on how to counterfeit back. <laughs> yeah. So it, it kind of in, in, in the next step of him being like kind of a master moldsmith is what ended up with uh, making his downfall too, which mm -hmm. is that he started to make fake lotto tickets, right? And mm -hmm. it's not necessarily exactly like the lottery tickets we think of today where you just scam old people out of their money, but it's exactly like that as well, where they would make molds <laughs> to uh, these like lotteries that people would enter. And he started like scamming these. Oh. And what happened here is he got directly sold out by one of his friends Can uh, for immunity. Can I, can I make case. one more note of something crazy that this guy did before the lotto ticket scam? Sure. That I read about. So they, when England started like doing more paper money, uh, it, there was a chemical where you could like wash the, the ink off of the paper, the specialized paper, and then put it new ink on. So like uh, you could turn like one pound into a hundred pound bill basically was the idea. And he did that for a while. But when he started doing that, the paper money was so new that what he was doing wasn't even illegal for another two years because they <laughs> forgot to make that illegal when they first introduced the money. <laughs> so I just thought that was very funny. And, and no, it's, it fucking <laughs> rules whenever you realize that like in the olden times you could just do some fucked up shit and people were like, someday this will be a crime. So you better <laughs> fucking watch out like 10 years from now when this shit's a crime. Like our courts are just a ram's fucking shackle bunch of people locally. We don't know even what's like of just being like at some point someone came together and was just like, we've got to make theft a crime. We've got to. <laughs> <laughs> We've got to stop this shit. Meanwhile, I saw a black cat the other day. We should probably burn a town. Oh, absolutely. Like, <laughs> and I mean, like, I know that, like, maybe this is like well trodden, like, duh, like comedy, but like in Cain and Abel, when Cain just killed Abel, he didn't even know he could do that shit. I feel so bad for him. <laughs> no one had ever died before. He had zero fucking clue what was going to happen when he hit him with that rock. He had no frame of reference for that shit. There were no crimes. There was no murders. He invented murder by accident. And like, you know, I just think we should maybe give him a buy on that. Maybe make the second murderer the bad guy. Sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, no how long did they... How long did they stand around the body being like, well, he's got to get up eventually. Right. <laughs> right. That's happened every time. Solid so far. hour. They were like, he's goofing. <laughs> I would say That's a few clearly days goofing just a caved in skull and shit. I would say, <laughs> hey, well, I can't stay mad at you. At least until there was visual decompensate uh, decomposition. <laughs> they were like, that doesn't usually happen. Right. Do they even know what rotting is? They're figuring there's a fucking angel with a fire sword giving them most of their goddamn guidance in life. They have zero context for what normal shit is. Sure. Maybe they're like, and maybe I'll rot soon too. Maybe that's fine. They have no fucking clue. <laughs> so I'm just saying in the olden times, people were figuring things out. He was just forging during a time when he didn't know that shit was maybe all that bad. <laughs> One out of ten pieces was bad. <laughs> so, okay. So, he gets sold out by his friend for immunity, right? So, this is the last third of his life. Uh, is If this, we were making this movie, and it would just be trial for... He's put on trial for high treason. So, mm -hmm. it's crimes against the state. All of the bonds that he had forged are getting flushed down the toilet. And here's the setup for this trial, right? Where you're thinking like, oh, well, this is a guy who maybe has fucked up things in his life before, but like, 
you know, it's probably going to be difficult to prove some of this. Okay. So here's the setup. For this trial, he had to A, conduct his own defense. B, with zero prior knowledge of the case against him. He cannot know what he's going against until he hears it in live time. <laughs> C, he is not able to present his own evidence, nor is he allowed to present his own witnesses. And most importantly, and this is what's going to throw people of a modern audience off, is that D, he has zero presumption of innocence. So he's going against a lifetime trial where people are going, he probably did it. And that was like going in the baseline of being like, he probably did this shit, which <laughs> is a crazy way to, I, I can't even imagine not getting like found guilty. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it would be so difficult to not get found guilty that if any of the three of us time traveled today and went back in time against this setup, where you don't have a lawyer, you don't know what they're accusing you of until it happens in front of your face. You can't give evidence or witness. And people are like, you probably did it. You really have an enormous uphill battle. So it's not yeah. to say that he was innocent. I will say, yeah, he had the one advantage in that he probably could have guessed what they were going to accuse him of. <laughs> but actually, that's the trick of it, uh, is in the trial notes, even though he's brought to trial on his fake lottery letters, really what ends up happening is, and here's the thing, and it's tough to kind of extrapolate this from letters, but the real truth of it is Sir Isaac Newton, beyond his rule as a civil servant, just kind of doesn't fucking like this guy. Right? <laughs> he's kind of gotten a big, he's a little bit too big for his britches, you know, with the big horses and, you know, the fucking houses. Isaac Newton's just like, ah, he's kind of a little bit of a, he thinks he's bigger than he is. And I'm going to put this motherfucker down. And so what happens is the trial itself really only takes an hour, which is incredible when you think about the magnitude of what's happening here. So he's going on trial thinking, I have to defend myself against these uh, fake lottery ticket molds. Sir Isaac Newton puts eight witnesses from this man's entire life, starting with like the ex-wife of a friend from years and years ago on, to basically say that this guy's a piece of shit, right? So if you've ever seen like the last episode of Seinfeld, where they just bring <laughs> back like cameos of people who keep going like, this guy's mm -hmm. a piece of yep. shit. That's exactly what happens in this trial, okay, yeah. where their main case against him is a bunch of people saying like, I saw this guy do it, and he's a piece of shit. Eight people say this over about, about like the course of an hour, and the jury deliberates. Oh, no, no. And a very important part here, which is just fucking hilarious, and I feel so bad for this guy that this is a matter of historical record. The trial is going so fucking bad for him, where like person after person is like, he stinks, he sucks tiny dick at some point he just pretended to go fucking nuts in the middle of his trial where like sir isaac newton and his like notes for this case is just like this daffy little bastard and like he's just like <laughs> i can't think for myself my brain don't work and like literally the court's response to this is just to be like brah dude no Dude, like, call him out on it directly, and he's like, "I'm sorry, I did that." And they, just continue, they just continue the case. How fucking humiliating is that? Where he's like, "This isn't going well. I'm gonna try this out," and everybody was like, "Dude, don't!" And he was like, "Sorry, sorry, sorry." My last gambit. Just, yeah, so, sorry about that. I, I wanted to see if it would work. I wanted to see if you think that's crazy. Maybe for a second, they're like, "Ah, my bad." And Sir Isaac Newton was like, "Dude, fucking come on." So. 
the the trial really only takes about an hour according to notes and uh according to um some of like uh the town notes that are taken the jury really only takes a couple minutes to be like 100% guilty. Like they were just like, of course, like this guy (laughs) did it because like, you know, it's in London. One out of four people is dead. And the other three out of four people kind of fucking know each other. So they're like, he did it. He fucking did that shit. He faked the money that's in my pocket right now. This motherfucker. Like I know who this motherfucker is. (laughs) He just acted crazy. So it's like, everybody's like, come on, bro. So they're like, definitely he's got to die. So mm-hmm. he's found guilty of high treason in just a matter of minutes. And here's like, like, this is a very, like, it's a fucking sad ending here where he is, he's sentenced to death. And as was the custom of the time, he was hung to death. And they said that it took him a couple minutes to get strangled to death. And when the matter of the course, when push came to shove with his death, a very sad part of this, and I've read this in some places, and some places were like, nah, I I tend to believe this was the case of nothing else than just to kind of show like the rich never want to see poor people become rich, is that usually people who had William's kind of money, when they did get sentenced for death for execution, when they would get hung, they would pay the executioners to pull their legs and snap their neck so they wouldn't strangulate for minutes at a time. But the upper class hated this fucking dude so much that they went to their executioners and they were just like, don't you fucking touch him. He's strangling. And they let him dangle there with his legs to the wind for, you know, five, six minutes until he died because they fucking hated that this dude was like trying to break into their class, really. I mean, like at the end of the day, you can say like, oh, he was a forger. Oh, he was, you know, a dildoer. I think really (laughs) the narrative of this story is he was trying to break into a different class. And he got mm. fucking shut down at the last minute and the rich hated him for it. So he's hung to death. And then after he dies, they cut him open and disembowel him. He dies at 49 years old. And just as maybe like kind of like a nice bringing this all around. By the way, everybody, oh, Sir Isaac Newton, fucking Sir Isaac Newton. Um, I don't know. Uh, Brian, do you know how many forgers in your research Sir Isaac Newton sentenced to death? I, I did not see this number. Two dozen. He got 24 people fucking killed. Sir Isaac <laughs> Newton is responsible for more deaths than Charles Manson. All right. <laughs> so like this fucking lunatic put a lot of fucking people down. And by the way, <laughs> Sir Isaac Newton um, did not believe did not believe that Christ was the son of God. Um, he thought he was a false prophet. And he estimated that the world would end in about 2060. Sir Isaac Newton, by the way, would have been legally eligible for execution, having stating either of these beliefs in that time of the church. So he was also a little bit of a motherfucker because he was also (laughs) in mind to be treason. He was also a fucking high criminal who wrote all the time, like talking shit about Jesus, which don't me wrong is fucking hilarious. Just imagining him, Sir Isaac Newton with a quill doing some math and then getting a little notebook out and being like, Jesus ain't shit. That's fucking hilarious to me that he spent the time to write this shit down. But um, it just kind of goes to show like the cyclical nature of like Sir Isaac Newton was just as much of a criminal as these 24 forgers that he put to death. So it's kind of like a sad end to a pretty marvelous rise to a pretty wild Uh, dude. I will say this about Chaloner in terms of uh, his scruples uh, beyond the forgery. Several of his accomplices that he ratted out when he was in trouble 
also got hung. So it's not like he's not he's not fully free of blood. He definitely <laughs> sent friends of his up the river to hang in his place prior to this. But also, anybody who gets other businessmen murdered is fucking rules. I'm super <laughs> on board with that. Of just I mean, being look, like, if Jeff know, Be- if Jeff Bezos killed Elon Musk with his bare hands, look, I'd be absolutely. You have to say that that's a net positive. <laughs> like, as long as there's less, less of these motherfuckers around taking advantage of people, like he was a forger who got other forgers killed. Like, yeah, that's Dexter, basically. At the end of the day, he's responsible for less forgeries in the world, <laughs> despite how much he's forging. <laughs> Like we, everybody in this room is responsible for zero forgeries. He's responsible for negative forgeries, despite being a forger. So I'm just saying, uh, you know, when you look at the end of the day, I say, uh, good guy. I say green light thumbs up. <laughs> uh, Wes, thank you. Uh, Zach, whenever you're ready. Uh, uh, yeah. So my story of uh, William Challoner is slightly different. Um, uh, as a young man, obviously lived through the, uh, the last ravages of the plague, very distressing, uh, very difficult. But, uh, besides that, uh, he was a mostly typical kid with, a, a skill for crafting and engineering. Um, and, uh, you know, he was, he was engaging in the most advanced technology of the time, making nails, um, mm-hmm. Something that he really did, by the way, uh, crafting nails. Um, uh, But besides being like a a high-end engineer who could, you know, make technologically advanced nails, um, he was also a creepy little weasel-faced horny boy. (laughs) (laughs) Is there any other title of my book? (laughs) And when he was about 15, 16, he got asked a question that would change his entire life. If you could fuck anyone, living or dead, who would it be? Um, and this was a question he didn't answer lightly. He didn't answer it on that day. And 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 he thought about it constantly uh, going forward in his life. Um, in fact, he became obsessed with the question um, and put, uh, uh, you know, tons of, of the rigors of answering this question into his engineering and all of his ingenuity. Um and eventually made a prototype of something that he would go on to make later on. He made a cock clock, um, <laughs> a little clock that had a cock in it. And um, initially, you know, it was just little dildos and all that stuff. Yeah. But eventually this man, he taught himself to go beyond what was possible at the time. Um, and uh, he had a breakthrough, uh, a breakthrough theory um, in which he created a pocket watch that you could stick your dick through and it could travel to any time or place in the time space. Um, he made a temporal glory hole um, in the form of a small pocket watch uh, that you could stick your dick through or someone could stick their dick through from another time. Mm-hmm. Um, oh no! Way. Okay, so, so a, someone just is wandering through a cave, like like in Lascaux. They just finished painting a bull on the wall, and know, suddenly a exactly. hole appears, and naturally they're just like, "Ooh!" You see a hole, you're going to stick your dick in it, and um, and you know, so this is the first game of true pocket poker. I mean, originally he couldn't tell where his dick would end up, but um, 
<laughs> but you know, this was early days. Uh, you could also hear things through the hole, and he used this information to become a soothsayer to fund his operations. You know, he would hear things from the future. Oh, in two weeks, little Sally Sue's going to have her, you know, uh, corset stolen or whatever the fuck. And I can <laughs> tell her about it in advance because oh, I, so can, I have this time travel. It goes issue. into the future, too. Future, past, whatever. Yeah. Time okay. and space. It's a okay. fucking TARDIS. Um, <laughs> but for your dick. Only dick. <laughs> Your um, next sip of water could be his dick. This dick is in all times and places. Exactly. Yes. It could show up anywhere. Um, so he continues to do his research, but it's expensive and he needs money. So uh, his natural um, his natural inclination is uh, coinage. He's going to make fake coins for a couple of reasons. He has those metallurgy skills, obviously. And also it involves edging and he's super into edging. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> Uh, so he, you know, uh, gets in and out of trouble. Uh, he's always smart, always, uh, you know, able to avoid uh, the dead ends or, or getting caught up with the law. And in the meantime, he is trying to figure out who, living or dead, he wants to fuck. And he does. He tries a lot of people. Cleopatra, Einstein, Albert Brooks, Mussolini, <laughs> two of the Bronte sisters, his wife. All these people, <laughs> all these people, he fucks. I, I, his invention. There was a, there was one curveball in there, and that was Mussolini. Uh, do we do? Do we know why? Well, if you're going to figure out who living or dead you want to fuck, you got to be thorough. <laughs> he was actually the horse that fucked Catherine the Great. It was he's gone <laughs> and really made a hit list. <laughs> Um, but time travel does have its drawbacks. You know, this is this is high end theoretical stuff and it gets attention and the attention comes from the most powerful people living in England at the time. And that is big physics. Mm -hmm. And who represents big physics? But it's professional thug Isaac Newton, um, <laughs> who did not take too kindly to challenger challenging uh, Newton's uh, so-called laws of physics that he had uh, come up with all by himself uh, and were supposed to be the settled end-all be-all. Um, so using his unlimited resources provided to him by big physics, the big physics lobby, and his sociopathic drive to find mm -hmm. evidence of fraud against Chalinor, some of it real, some of it faked to make the case uh, seem even worse than it was, um, he puts a corrupt judge on the stand and draws a guilty verdict out um, by using this anti-sex puritanical judge uh, mm. and eventually gets this guilty verdict and has him down pat for hanging. But little do they know that Chalinor has completed his research and in a final piece of brilliance, he replaces the hole in the gallows with a larger version of his temporal glory hole. So when they <laughs> drop him through, he disappears into another time and place. Poof, gone in a flash. They pretend it went as normal, but of course he disappears, disappears through the hole, disappears through time. Where does he go? Well, he had found out, in fact, who living or dead he wanted to fuck. And so he travels to 1952 where he kills Queen Elizabeth at her coronation and replaced her. Because 
it turns out he wanted to fuck Prince Philip. That was the answer. The oh whole no! Time. It was Prince Philip. That was it. Now it seemed a- like this was going to have like a good ending. This took a dark fucking turn. I've now, never heard such a hero story. At one point, at one point, uh, you know, at a couple times, uh, agents, secret agents of big physics, which still exists, uh, tried to track him down. One Diana of Wales had to be taken out. Oh um, God! <laughs> but now. Now another Meghan Markle is on the trail and we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how that conflict resolves. That is it. I hope he's executing hey, all you know these what? members of the royal either... family with his dick. Either... I hope that like Princess Diana's driver was just driving and then you see like a dick come out of like the side of the screen and start like hitting him in the face and you start fucking swerving in that tunnel. And yeah, I will that's... say... This is a classic case of, you know, you either die the hero or live long enough to become the villain. Oh, uh, uh, yes. It's a classic, classic case of that. Yeah. <laughs> but that's the true story. Of, <laughs> that's the true story of whatever his name, William Challoner, <laughs> Queen Elizabeth II. <laughs> hey, and that story's called uh, Consent Laws Were Different Back Then. Yeah. 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 Um, do we know, I mean, do we know what attracted him to Prince Philip? Just uh, you two. could ask him. That's that's true. Yeah. I'd l- sorry. Let me call up. Uh, I I got Queen Elizabeth II in my phone. Be like, what made you want to fuck this pile of mashed potatoes? Um, <laughs> listeners, before we move on to judgment, um, want to say we I mentioned the Patreon up top. Uh, of course, thank you again to TJ and Christine for your donations. Uh, if you want to throw us some money for the holidays. That would, you know, hey, that'd be great. Um, you can find us at patreon.com slash the revisionists. Uh, we will say, like we always do, there's better causes to, to give your money towards. Um, but uh, I mean, of course, it, it is greatly appreciated. Um, but also, yeah, uh, you can write us uh, via our website, uh, revisionistpodcast.com, email uh, revisionistpodcast at gmail.com, or find us on Instagram or Twitter. Uh, and also reviewing the show under uh, podcast service of choice is very helpful. Uh, written reviews, especially uh, doesn't matter what you write. You could just put five stars literally and anything, literally anything. You can pitch some dildo slogans if you want, um, you know, just you could write who living or dead. You would most like to fuck. Actually, Hashtag yeah. Fucking suck. Happy hour. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Any of that. Uh, put whoever you want to most want to fuck. In history, um, make make them a person who won't read it because that'd be weird. Um, yeah. Otherwise, so that's going to be almost everybody alive. Yeah. Because, so uh, I I regret to tell you, like Angelina Jolie is not reading our iTunes reviews. <laughs> it's fair. So I guess don't make it Zach or me. I guess I don't is... care. Don't make it Brian. I guess I don't give a shit. You can say me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm I'm mainly saying that so when the reviews come in and no one says me, I could be like, I told them, I told them not to do that. <laughs> so um, I want to fuck Danny Trejo portraying Tom Hanks. Fulfill the <laughs> there prophecy. You go. Look, I've not seen the Da Vinci Code. I've just read it. <laughs> so, um, and yeah, um, Wes, you, uh, your audio uh, audio drama, Meatloaf and Milkman. Uh, the second episode just dropped, Fear and Loafing, on yep. Spotify and YouTube. 
Yep. Check us out. Spotify, YouTube, uh, Apple Music. We've got it a couple places. Uh, anywhere you listen to your podcast, we got our first two episodes up. We sure would love a listen. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, if you want to go in more depth about it, I didn't mean to like railroad you with the description. Oh, yeah. No, uh, Meatloaf and Milkman is just kind of like a, we're calling it like a radio cartoon. So if you're a fan of something like Ren and Stimpy um, or kind of like that kind of bizarre, like um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Nickelodeon kind of humor, uh, we just kind of have a lot of stuff like that. Um, uh, it's just a it's an adventure tale of two guys who are just trying to make it in this crazy world. And, you know, they uh, fucking suck their way through some uh, crazy misadventures and fear and loathing. Uh, we do a little bit of obviously on like fear and loathing. Uh, we do like a lot of like uh, cameos with people who are in the Denver comedy scene, do a lot of music, do a lot of just like fun stuff that I think, uh, you know, on your way to work or something like that people would enjoy. Uh, so, you know, give it a listen if you want. I think this newest episode, we have some uh, guest voices from Allison Rose, Noah Reynolds, um, Gabby mm-hmm. Gutierrez Reed. So there's a lot of fantastic talent that's really helped us out with a lot of these. So, um, you know, if you're ever looking for uh, something to listen to on a jog or whatever, we sure hope you give us a listen. Hell yeah. Um, Zach, you co-host the movie trap. Yeah. Uh, it's the same thing I talk about every week. It's a movie review podcast. The premise is one of us picks a theme. Each of us picks a movie on that theme. So the theme could be uh, anything from, you know, sports movies when we did recently, or it could be more general, like uh, our significant other, our significant others picked a movie for each of us one time. It can be literally anything we want. And then at the end, we vote on uh, the best, um, the best of the three movies that were presented and the winner gets to pick the next theme. And that's just, basically how it goes. It's a way to talk about movies and sort of compete against each other. You can listen to it. Your most recent one was um, League of Their Own, which I did not realize you had not seen. Well, Um, I've seen it now. And you can hear what I think about it. Um, So check that out, Movie Trap. Um, That brings us to Judgment. And I am, as always, when I'm judging, torn and still deciding as I'm talking. because on the one hand, I was at first I was like, there's nothing, there's no way to re there's no way to really out out wild, make more wild bullshit up than what happens in the actual history. Um, like I I was saying in the group chat, like when we were like first setting the details, I did not read this guy's full story. I got to dildo manufacturer, and it was just like, okay, we're we're this is the next one. We're doing it. Um <laughs> So and then Zach was like, what if he was a time rapist? <laughs> no, no, no. I did not ever say that it was not consensual. If you're fucking your way through time like that, I don't know how much yes and no is happening with your little cock clock. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, look, it's it's the alternate history. We could make it so it's all consensual. Um <laughs> everything I, but Mussolini, let's say. <laughs> Yeah, I don't want to make this guy sound like a bad guy in your story before he starts executing members of the royal family. <laughs> I don't want to get this fucked up. <laughs> up to like Princess Diana. Um, um, and then Zach introduced a little wrinkle of, uh, hey, this guy's still unbelievably still alive. 
Um, yeah, uh, he's under your bed right now. This fucking monster. <laughs> I mean, if Queen Elizabeth II is under your bed, yeah, I guess. <laughs> um, I I will feel sort of bad if between recording this and this being released, Queen Elizabeth II dies. Uh, um, she's a, she's an old racist. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, also, and as an Irish person, I won't feel that, but that bad. Um, so um, I'm to- I still feel like I have to give my vote for the actual history because I this <laughs> this humble the the rise of this humble dildo Smith to to if Spielberg did like a catch me if you can version of this fucking story, <laughs> it would be a goddamn blockbuster. <laughs> I'm also I've spent the last like 40 minutes going like well I know a lot of people's last names are based on their professions and trying to think of what the last name of a dildo maker would be um Cocksmith <laughs> Cocksmith <laughs> yeah it was yeah, like or Woodcock from- like the guy from Phantom Thread Woodcock probably that <laughs> Yeah, of course, Phantom Thread in the original draft was about a, a a dildo maker and the relationships he finds himself in. <laughs> I've not seen Phantom Thread. Um, but uh, listeners, voting is now open for you on Patreon. Um, and check out our Instagram story uh, the Wednesday before Christmas uh, for, excuse me, uh, for the final round of voting. Um, but that will do it for this episode. Um, Wes, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me, man. Uh, Zach, thank you, of course, as always. Yeah, I've been uh, Zach, uh, Dare Tenenbaum uh, Powers, because it's Christmas time. And I've been uh, Angels We Have Heard on Brian Flynn. A uh, nope. Um well, we'll we'll still work on it. Um, of course, I've been West Jingle Horse Williams. Yeah, there this has been, been a very been... merry edition of Time Rapists. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll see you for our next episode, which comes out on Christmas Day. Yeah, yeah, we should. <laughs> I keep forgetting about that. All right, have a good time. December 11th, 1816. Indiana becomes the 19th U.S. state and the first flyover state. December 11th, 1688. Trying to keep it out of the hands of William of Orange's army, English King James II throws the great seal of the realm into the Thames, forgetting, of course, that seals can swim. Ugh. Ew. I know. Wait, am I supposed to be reacting to these? No, no. <laughs> I mean, that one deserved it. That one deserved it. No, that one was. I like. I was looking at it the day before, and that like popped in my head. I'm like, no, I'm better than that. And then <laughs> today, I was like, I'm not. No, um, fuck that, dude. I love disrespecting the audience. Let's fucking do this. <laughs> December 11th, 1901. Guglielmo Marconi transmits the first transatlantic radio signal from Cornwall to Newfoundland, for which Spotify pays him three hundredths of a penny. And last one, 
December 11th, 1972, Apollo 17 becomes the sixth and final mission to land on the moon, and they end up doing a shitty job closing. Okay. December 11th, 1792, King Louis XVI of France is put on trial for treason by the National Convention. He hires the most expensive lawyer he can find, who is also executed. (laughs) (laughs) December 11th, 1901. um, Yeah, hold on. December 11th, 1901, Marconi transmits the first transatlantic radio signal from Cornwall to Newfoundland, which was originally intended to rate how hot the girls at his college were. (laughs) December 11th, 1934, Bill Wilson, co-founder of Alcoholics Anonymous, takes his final drink and enters treatment for the last time. I'd write a joke here, but I have the serenity to accept the jokes I cannot write the courage to write the jokes I can and the wisdom to know the difference. (laughs) December 11th, 1941, Germany and Italy declare war on the United States following the Americans declaration of war on Japan. The United States in turn declares war upon them. Poland declares war on Japan. Canada feeling left out declares wars on themselves. (laughs) Um, I've only got one. Uh, yes, December please. 11th, 2001. Never forget. 